Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. We are closing in on the NFL draft, and there's always someone. There's always somebody who throws a curveball in the first round, so where will it come in the top ten? It is Chris Carlin, Chris Canty. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. What is up, Christopher Allen Arthur Canty? <laughs> okay, those are not my middle names, <laughs> but we're going to get it rolling, man. We got the NFL draft upon us and of course we got to get into all the goings on around the nba and there's a lot going on around the association and more and more by the day around the collapse of the nets and what their future looks like but the nfl draft is a little more than 24 hours away here we go Go, go. only one place to start the nfl draft on espn radio so you ready for the draft let's get started the 2022 nfl draft Coverage of round one begins Thursday at 7 on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Looking forward to it. And, Chris, there's there's always that one team in the top ten that is going to throw the curveball where they're going and how it alters the rest of the planning for the rest of these teams. And, you know, it's hard to imagine that even though there's been so much talk around it that Aiden Hutchinson isn't going to go number one, but if Trayvon Walker does, there's where the first curveball could be. But more realistically, Chris, it feels like it may come a few picks later than that. Well, here's what I will say. If Trayvon Walker, who is now projected as the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick, if he does go to Jacksonville, then we know edge rushers are going to go one-two. We know that there's no chance Dan Campbell passes on Aiden Hutchinson, a local kid with the kind of production that he's had as a three-year starter at Michigan to be able to draft that guy. He he is a quintessential kneecap biter, as Dan Campbell would like to say. So we know that Hutchinson and Walker would go one-two if the Jags went Walker with the first overall. So that, to me, is what makes what happens at number three really intriguing. And general manager Nick Casario has done a good job of holding his draft plans close to the vest. Nobody has any idea what the Houston Texans are going to do. And quite frankly, over the last three or four years, nobody really has had any idea what the Houston Texans are doing. <laughs> I don't but, know if the Houston uh, Texans have known what they're doing. <laughs> fair point. And so I guess my whole question is, if we start to see a run on edge rushers early, that could create a lot more urgency within the top ten for teams wanting to scramble to get up to get at Jermaine Johnson a second because we know with this class of edge rushers, after the top four come off the board, there's a little bit of a drop-off in terms of the overall talent level. So that, to me, is what makes the top of the draft really intriguing because it does set the table for everything else that's going to happen. Well, I know that Walker has become the betting favorite for number one. I'm still going to be surprised if it happens. And I know that the argument is that what the potential is and the overall talent that he has and the different things that he can do. But Aiden Hutchinson, to me, is the guy that is just kind of the sure thing. And and for me, if you're Jacksonville, that's where you have to turn. You have to turn to the sure thing. Now, as far as Houston's concerned, if we're talking about all the way up top, going with Daryl Stingley and, and picking a guy that has been in and out of the lineup the last couple of years. Some say he lost some real interest in 
what was going on after his freshman year. Then he didn't play this past year or the COVID year. I mean, it's it's just been so uneven with him, Chris. I understand what his ability is, but doesn't doing something like that when you're that high in the draft, shouldn't that scare you more than it does, than it seems to? Well, anything that the Houston Texans do scares me. Like, I just, I don't trust that franchise. I mean, you're talking about Jack Easterby, the team chaplain, having more sway than the head coach or the general manager. I, I don't know that that's the way to go. But I will say, when you talk about the NFL draft as a whole, the biggest wild card team, the Houston Texans. The biggest wild card player, Derek Stingley Jr. So I guess it would make sense in some some strange way that uh, the two of those entities would link up and make some magic happen. But I, I like the player in Derek Stingley Jr. It's just a matter of whether or not you feel like football is a priority for him. And based on all the reports that we've heard, his pro day was a wow, raving success, and then the interviews that he did with teams individually was equally as impressive. So you're talking about a really polished player from what we saw in his first year and a really polished person in terms of sports character. So I think Derek Stingley Jr. is going to surprise some people. It would not catch me off guard if he ended up being the first cornerback off the board. All right, so if it happens at three, let's get to some straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Then you're coming to the Jets at four. Then the rest of that top ten plays out. And he goes at three. You mentioned the edge rushers before. If you're Joe Douglas, if you're Joe Shane at the fifth pick, where are your eyes lighting up the most if that happens? Because I know where it is for me. Well, if you're those two teams, especially if you're the Jets and Joe Douglas, you're going to have your pick at offensive tackle, and you're going to have your pick at wide receiver. And both of those are positions of importance, especially going into year two with Zach Wilson. You're trying to develop your franchise quarterback, and you need to make sure that you have the offensive line in place to make sure you keep him upright because that was a problem last year, and you have to have a number one receiver. you got to have a player that's out there on the edge that can dictate front and coverage, and the Jets don't, don't have that guy. It's not Elijah Moore. It's not Corey Davis. It's not Braxton Berrios. They don't have that guy. So in order to move Zach Wilson's development forward, you need to be able to provide him that weapon. Now, they can do it in the draft early on, or they can do it via trade, but either way, it's got to happen. But if you're Joe Douglas, you got a big smile on your face if the top three players off the board are defensive guys because this draft has a lot of depth, giving you a lot of options when it comes to the receiver position and the offensive tackle spot. If you're the New York Giants, you got a little bit of urgency when it comes to trying to get your hands on a pass rusher. I think this draft has to be all about the trenches for the Giants It's not receiver. It's not cornerback. It's not in your secondary. You've got to find guys that can get after the quarterback, and you've got to find guys to protect the quarterback. See, you know, for me, with the Jets, if Derek Stingley goes third, I'm jumping on either of those tackles as a must, as as an absolute must. And the reason I say that is when you have Mekhi Becton as somebody that you picked a couple of years ago, and you're – Somewhat questioning his motivation right now. I need to do two things here. I need to get some insurance, and I need to motivate him, and I also need to make sure that my quarterback is protected first and foremost. This is still a guy in Zach Wilson, Chris, that from everything I can gather, needed to do some growing up this past year. 
and they're encouraged by what they've seen this offseason going around the country on his tour to work out with receivers. But I would look at this and say, do I need to get him another weapon when I've got three guys who shouldn't be too bad and I've added C.J. Uzama to the mix, or do I need to get somebody else that is dominant on the right side of the line or can play left and I can move uh, Becton over to the right, however the better combination is going to work out and make sure he's protected from both sides? I, I... I absolutely am headed in that direction if I'm the Jets. I I know that it's exciting to potentially take playmakers there, but I, I, I want to lock that up. No question about it. And if you've got your pick of offensive tackles, why wouldn't you exercise that, exercise that especially with the the question marks surrounding Makai Becton? Now, listen, I, I love Makai Becton. I, I thought he was as dominant as any of those offensive tackles in his rookie year. Took a step back last year, was believed to be a little bit overweight, had some injury issues. So I would want somewhat of an insurance policy against Makai Becton and what he's going to be moving forward. But if Makai Becton er ends up being more like the guy we saw in year one of the Jets and year two was an aberration, then all of a sudden I got bookend tackles for the next decade. And that's not a bad place to be if you're the New York Jets. When you were going to -to back-to-back AFC championship games, think about the offensive line the Jets had. They had DeBrickashaw Ferguson, who was the fourth overall pick in his draft class. They had Nick Mangle, who was a first-round pick in that same class. They had Damian Woody playing right tackle, who was a first-round pick with the New England Patriots. They had three ones on their offensive line. So the Jets would be well on their way with Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. Adding an offensive lineman, I think, would be the way to go. Now, if I had my pick, based on what the Jets already have, that offensive lineman would be Charles Cross. I love what he brings mm. to the table. He's, he's thought to be the best pass-blocking tackle in this year's draft, and we know that's where the NFL is going. And most importantly, we know that's exactly what Zach Wilson needs. Yeah, I mean, you took Zach Wilson with the second overall pick not to hand the football off, but to push the ball down the field. you got to have a tackle that can hold up in one-on-one pass pro, and Charles Cross it seems to be that guy. Six, seven and a half, 335, Carlin. It seems like he has all the physical tools that you would need in order to have a guy that could plug in and be a perennial pro bowler for the next decade. I'll counter that, too, with Evan Neal because I think he's in that same class. I talked to people this morning about him who were familiar with him and and really felt strongly about his ability as a complete package, but also the fact that professional football has been this guy's mentality since high school, that this was going to be his career and he's somebody that, in terms of everything that you want, with character and as a player, he's everything that you want. But I don't believe the Jets could go wrong with any of the three of those tackles. We are just getting started on a jam-packed show. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. That was Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. In just moments... The Jets and the Giants have two top 10 picks each, but which of these teams can actually get closer to being a playoff team sooner? Because there's a reason they're both in the top 10. We will get to all of that in just moments. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. It's Canty and Carlin just beginning to roll on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. 
Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Chris, when we start talking about the Jets and Giants, look, they made smart decisions in the trades that they made in order to pick up the extra first-round picks this year. In the Jets' case, it was the Jamal Adams trade, mm-hmm. and in the Giants' case, it was the trade last year to move back in the first round to pick up the extra first-round pick from the Bears. These are two teams, though, that themselves are in the top 10 and 4 and 5 because they're bad football teams and have been for quite some time. When I look at this, it doesn't, though, seem all that difficult to figure out who is closer to getting at least to competitive football. And it feels like it's the Jets because of what's happened over the last couple of years with getting rid of some of the dead weight and bringing in some really good quality young players. Yeah, but the other thing that the Jets have going for them, Carlin, is that they have fewer holes in their roster. I mean, you you look at their team, it's not like their offensive line will be incapable of going out there and playing a football game today. I mean, you got Mekhi Becton at left tackle, Lakin Tomlinson there, free agent at left guard, Connor McGovern at center, Elijah Vera Tucker at right guard, and George Fan at right tackle. You can go out and play a football game with the way that that team is constituted, especially on the offensive end. When you look at the Giants, there's no way that they could go out and play a football game with the way that their offense is put together. So I, I just I look at the Jets as having less needs to fill through the draft in the remainder of the NFL offseason with free agency. And that's why I think they're in a better position with the Giants. Also, the big factor, Carlin, the Jets actually believe in their quarterback, Zach Wilson. I think that ship is starting to sail in terms of the Giants' overall conviction in Daniel Jones being their future franchise quarterback. We're going into year four, and there's a very real conversation about whether or not the Giants should exercise his fifth-year option. Diana Rossini, ESPN's NFL reporter, tweeted it out this morning that while their draft board is complete and Joe Shane and company are showing that to ownership today, they are also going to have that discussion about whether or not they're going to pick up the option on Daniel Jones. And, Chris, there's not a discussion to be had. I don't know how you would pick up the option. It makes absolutely zero sense. And all you have to do is look at what happened with the former Jets, Sam Darnold, down in Carolina this year. They picked it up the second they traded for him, and that was $20 million this coming year that the Carolina Panthers sure as heck could use right now. Well, here's the other cautionary tale, Carlin. Baker Mayfield. 
And here's the deal. Baker yeah. Mayfield led a team to the playoffs, won a road playoff game. At least and you had more team, reason there. <laughs> yeah, you had more reason, but think about it. That $19 million salary going into 2022 is an albatross, and it really is an anchor in terms of the Cleveland Browns trying to move Baker Mayfield this offseason. So unless your guy is clearly worth the fifth-year option, then you can't exercise that option, and you always reserve the right if Daniel Jones does have a monster year to try to get him signed to a contract extension before the start of free agency in 2023. And if negotiations break down, you can franchise tag him. Now, that's a much bigger number than $22.3 million, but if he proves that he's going to be your long-term quarterback, which is, which is a big if, then you wouldn't mind spending out that kind of money. But, Carlin, to have $22 million on your books for Daniel Jones in 2023 where you could be forced to take a quarterback in the first round of next year's draft, I don't think that's the place you want to be if you're Joe Shane and you're Brian Dayball. You're talking about a quarterback that hasn't stayed healthy for all of the games in any of the three seasons that he's been with the Giants, and he's a guy that's had 50 total touchdowns to 49 total turnovers. I don't know how you can have any degree of confidence or no. conviction that Daniel Jones is going to be a quarterback Absolutely for the not. next decade. And when, and when you are entering year four and you still don't feel like you have your answer on your quarterback, to me, you do. You just don't want to admit it yet. You, you just want to make sure that you're not making a big mistake before you move on from him. But who's the guy lately that a team has moved on from and it turned out they made a huge mistake on the quarterback? Would you, could it you, wasn't. It wasn't Jared Goff with the Rams. No. It wasn't Carson Wentz with the with the uh, the Eagles. Could you I even mean, both say those teams Ryan were Tannehill? in the playoffs? Both like the those teams you, were in the playoffs, and the Rams yeah. won the freaking Super Bowl. And the closest you could come is maybe Ryan Tannehill, maybe. But he hasn't turned out to be great by any stretch. He's turned out to be a little better than serviceable, but remarkably overpaid. So, Chris, with that being the case, if the Jets have the ability to get back to competitive football or really to not be in the basement anymore. Debo Samuel is supposedly out there. Let's get the very latest from Jeremy Fowler on where the 49ers stand about trading Debo Samuel. But checking in with a source involved, I am told that Debo Samuel is hopeful that a trade happens here in short order and that he believes it could happen because the 49ers are at least listening to offers. Doesn't mean they'll move on it. The problem is I've talked to some teams who are skeptical because the 49ers love the guy on and off the field. They really don't want to do this. It would take a massive haul to make this happen. But the Jets have had some interest. I'm told the Lions and the Packers have had some level of interest. And there could be some urgency here in the next 36 hours leading up to draft time. Boy, if you're Debo Samuel and you end up in Detroit, I mean, I think you're going to have to reevaluate what your plan was at that point. But nonetheless, the Jets, even you could say the same thing about the Jets, but if they ultimately put the 10th pick on the table, Chris, before tomorrow night when the 10th pick comes up, and Debo becomes available, do they make the deal? Do the 49ers make the deal, I should say? How could they not make the deal, Carlin? You have a player that said he doesn't want to play for you. And players get what they want. And players get what they want now. The NFL is starting to resemble the NBA in that way. So if if Debo Samuel has let it be known that it's not just about the contract extension and what that number looks like, he no longer wants to play for you, whether it's because of how you use him or the overall relationship souring, 
then as the 49ers, you got to salvage that. You got to get whatever you can for them. And if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, when's the next time you're going to be picking inside the top 10? That's a great question. If, if things go according to plan with Trey Lance. First of all, you don't have a first-round pick in 2023 because you got Trey Lance. So when's the next time you're going to be picking this high? I, I don't think it's even a question, Carlin, if that 10th overall pick is on the table for the Jets in order to get Debo – then that is a move that the 49ers absolutely have it, to make. It's almost like for the 49ers resetting the clock that we always talk about with quarterbacks, right? They can reset the clock at receiver and go get a big-time receiver with that 10th pick. And if they felt like there was somebody there that could make that not necessarily a 1,400-yard season happen, but at least develop into that guy in a year or two, I'd have to make that pick big, because big fella, big fella, I love you, but I think you're looking at this wrong. I, I think Why? you look at it. You look at it from a scarcity standpoint. This draft is deep at receiver. You're talking about guys, but it's not deep in Debo Samuel's. No, but I don't. I don't think you're just going to find a Debo Samuel in every single draft. So I don't even go that route in trying to replace him. I think it's easier to get a receiver to come in and contribute in the latter rounds as opposed to some of the other positions of importance, like edge rusher, like offensive lineman, those types of spots. Cornerback, you know, at that point, you could be talking about Derek Stingley Jr. or Sauce Gardner Mm. still being on the board, and that's an area of need for the 49ers. So if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, I try to address one of those major positions that's hard to find guys at, and then I'll find a receiver later on in the draft. Because here's the other thing. It's not like San Francisco doesn't have any other weapons. They still do have George Kittle, who's a pretty damn good tight end. They got Brandon Ayuk, who's a pretty good receiver, not to mention Elijah Mitchell in the backfield. So you've got some players on offense, and you've got Trey Lance, who's a guy that's capable of being the focal point of your run game as well as your quarterback. So it's not like you don't have ways to offset the – production that you would be losing but, from but Debo it's Samuel. 1,400 yards. I mean, is IU keeping guys up at night? Is I, is he that guy? Is he Debo? He's, no, I mean, hey, but, but, no but, but who is Debo? Who is Debo in the end? That's you, the thing. You can't what find I'm saying Debo. is if the 49ers feel like one of those guys at the very top of the draft at receiver is capable of being him, then I, then I think playing, that's where Carlin, the deal's made. Carlin, you're playing yourself if you're thinking you're going to find a Debo Samuel. You're playing yourself. Mm. Don't, don't even try to. That's not how you're going to get this done. I don't know, It's going to look different offensively for the 49ers without Debo in 2022 if they trade him. What they have to do is accept that and then make the best decision for their football team moving forward. And to me, it's all about scarcity. It's harder to find offensive tackles. It's harder to find pass rushers. It's harder to find corners than it is wide receivers. If you don't believe me, just look at the past couple of drafts. You got Jamar Chase, who's arguably the best receiver in the NFL today and we did that in his rookie year and then Justin Jefferson his college teammate two years ago who set the world on fire as a rookie in Minnesota you're finding receivers doing that in every single draft DK Metcalf three years ago with that Debo Samuel draft AJ Brown as well you're finding receivers in every single draft it's hard to find stalwarts on the offensive line guys that can get after the quarterback, eight to ten sacks every single year in lockdown corners. You just can't find them. 
888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good, really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it. So cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless, now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan with 5 gigabytes of hotspot and nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. A month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. We will take your calls at 888-SAY-ESPN on whether it's the Jets or the Giants that actually have the chance to take that step forward first and what team throws the monkey wrench into the top 10 picks. All of that is on the way. I like the man personally. He's never coached on any level. They're going to fire Steve Nash, the Nets are, because there's nothing else to do. You can't do anything with KD. You can't do anything with Kyrie. You can't do anything with Ben Simmons. And those three are their actual problems. Well, as we know, the Nets are done. And they are headed home, but not without saying a lot of things that caught people off guard. And we have talked an awful lot the last couple of days about what Kyrie said after the game, about what Kevin Durant has said in the last two days. But, Chris, late yesterday afternoon, there's a story from The Athletic about the meeting that Ben Simmons and Rich Paul had with the Nets' front office on the day of Game 4. And when he may be able to come back and really – after the Nets front office was incredibly disappointed to find out that he was shutting it down because his back was sore. And in that meeting, there was the discussion of Simmons believes he has some sort of a mental block about playing right now that could have contributed to the back injury that he has been dealing with. Look, I've talked about this before. I'm very sympathetic Uh, to those with mental health issues because I've dealt with them myself. My family has dealt with them. And I've been very critical of Ben Simmons. I don't doubt that there's something going on with Ben Simmons. My biggest problem is I tend to hear about them when it gets convenient for him. And that, for me, is problematic. And Look, I'm sensitive to the situation, Chris. We've seen some things that have happened recently that have been just awful with Katie Meyer, the Stanford soccer player, with uh, Sarah Schulze from Wisconsin, the, the, the track runner, and, and their issues with, with mental health and, and so much of what we see today. But with Simmons in particular, this has come up when it came to his money and it came up when it came to him getting criticized an awful lot for not playing in game four. Well, here's what I'll say about this, Carlin. First of all, I, I'm willing to acknowledge that it has to be something mental, something psychological, because the guy won't shoot in pregame warm-ups when there are people in the arenas and cameras on him. He, he just refuses to shoot. Even going through pregame workouts, he won't shoot the basketball. So there is absolutely something there. He's in his own head, and I'm not sure that the Nets have the resources in order to get him out of that um, you, you heard the report from our very own Brian Windhorst. We said people involved are exasperated by the Ben Simmons situation, and he got the feeling that they were waving the white flag after that meeting. I, I first the first thing that I thought of, Carlin, when I heard about the meeting happening, is why do you have to do it 
on the day totally of an agree. elimination game in the first round. And the reason is it's the day that he was getting criticized for not playing. That's well, why. And, and you're probably right. That's probably why you know Clutch Sports and Ben Simmons wanted to make this public. But this was not something where you had to have urgency if he was not going to play. And I acknowledge that it's a tough spot for Ben Simmons to be put in, to be viewed as the savior of the series coming in in game four when your team is down 0-3. But also, you have to acknowledge you wanted out of Philadelphia and you got your wish. And once you got to your new team, you decided that you weren't going to play. You weren't going to play in the regular season and you didn't play in the postseason. I, I, it, it's, it, it's making... Folks that are looking at the Brooklyn Nets, whether you're a fan, whether you're somebody that's affiliated with the team, they're looking at Ben Simmons with a higher degree of scrutiny because of how things went down since they made the trade for him. And then it's hard not to view that through the lens of what James Harden and the Philadelphia Sixers are doing. Not so much James Harden, but the Sixers. Because James Harden decided, you know what? I've got a better chance of competing for a championship in Philly than I do in Brooklyn. And so if you're Brooklyn and saying, well, this guy's supposed to be the centerpiece of that trade, and we got absolutely nothing for him this year. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know how this is going to end for Ben Simmons, but I do know that there's going to be so much pressure on Ben Simmons moving forward going into next season. I think there are a couple of other things to really keep in mind. Remember that he is filing this grievance because the Sixers have withheld $20 million from him. What that means in action is the Sixers didn't believe what was going on. They didn't believe in what was going on with him from a mental block standpoint. I think there's something wrong there. I just think the pers- my perception is, especially as somebody has dealt with it before, is that it seems to come up when a convenient excuse is needed. And that is bothersome to me. And I think it would be incredibly bothersome to people uh, who are who are who deal with it every day? Who deal with it every day? Because the last thing they want to do is use it as an excuse. Well, Carlin, here's the other part to this too. How do your teammates feel about you? If I don't think that's a that good situation. Net, if right you're now. in that Nets locker room and you're one of those guys that's fighting for your 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 life in the playoffs, where every single game matters, for Ben Simmons to be working out with the team for weeks practicing, doing four-on-fours, things of that nature. And, and making sure not, that everybody heard about him working out for weeks. For you not to step in when our season is on the line, I, I don't know if I can trust you moving forward. How can I feel like you can be accountable to the rest of your team when all we – here's the thing, Carlin. It's not like Ben Simmons had to step in and play 30, 35 minutes. No. He didn't have to do that. No. We just want you to come back and play 15 to 20 minutes – be good on the defensive end against Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. He didn't even have to shoot. You don't even have to shoot. We're not asking you to shoot. This is what we need you to do. And the fact that you were unwilling to do that and you cited back issues that are occurring because of the pressure and the stress um, that you're dealing with mentally, I, I just I, I, that's something that I can't go for, man. And if you're going to play for the Brooklyn Nets with KD and Kyrie, Every situation, every season, there's going to be pressure. It is unavoidable. You have to find a way to be able to deal with it because the pressure is not going away. And that's the big question mark that nobody can answer except for Ben Simmons and the people that he's working with in his inner circle. How do we deal with the pressures and the stress that comes along with this job, with the scrutiny? Because it's professional sports. 
People are interested. People want to know. When you make $30, $40 million a year, people are interested. Yep. You're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to figure it out. And if you can't deal with that, then there's no question in my mind. When it comes to who won the trade between the Sixers and the Nets, there's no question about it. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The calls on this, on Ben Simmons in the future with the Nets, and also on the NFL Draft. What team throws that monkey wrench into the top 10? Greeny, the podcast. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's hit the phones, 888-SAY-ESPN on the Greeny call-in line. Let's start with Jack in Brooklyn up first on Greeny. Jack, what's going on? You're on ESPN Radio. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just have a question. If the draft is very deep in the receiver end, why would the Jets uh, trade for Divas Hamill and give away their one of the top ten choices? Because let's he's because he's a veteran. Let's go for the because, corner. Because he's a guy hold, that's hold, established. Hold, hold, hold. Go ahead, real quick. Finish up. I, I, understand, I understand. But let's go for the edge rush. Let's go for for the, those premium positions in the, in the top two picks and take the other two in the top forty and go for uh, for two receivers and hopefully one of them. We don't need to get Debo Samuel. It's great to have Debo Samuel. Now, here's the problem. A you picked and, a receiver last year, Jack. Thanks for the call. But and Elijah Moore has been very very helpful. I would rather have a guy like Samuel who's already established who is going to make my young quarterback that much better, Chris. Well, here's the thing, Carlin. Zach Wilson is still trying to figure out how to play quarterback. I don't need my wide receivers trying to figure out how to play the position in the NFL. Exactly. And that's exactly what you would be talking about if you're taking one of those guys, not to mention the stat that is staggering when it comes to hit rate, Yep. Over the course of the last 17 years in the first round, players that by position are expected to get a second contract with the team that drafts them. You know the position that comes in dead last at 20%, 27% hit rate when it comes to first-round picks? It's wide receiver. So although we're seeing a lot of receivers come in and be pro-ready, there's a chance that you could draft a guy at some point and that guy not necessarily be ready. And, you know, that's the question that you have when you start talking about taking a gamble with a receiver in the top two rounds. Debo Samuel is a proven commodity. Why not add that proven commodity to help your young quarterback? And, oh, by the way, help the rest of the other guys on the offensive offensive uh, unit. Because Debo Samuel, 
teams are going to game plan for him. That makes life easier for Elijah Moore. It makes yeah. life easier for C.J. Uzuma, Corey Davis, and Michael Carter. Why wouldn't you go that route? To me, that makes the most sense because Debo is a guy that can dictate front and coverage. You don't have any guys like that on your team right now. I just need somebody who can scare the daylights out of a defensive coordinator. How about Victor in Stratford, Connecticut next on Greeny on ESPN Radio. Victor, what do you got? Hey, Chris. Good to meet you. Carlin, pleasure. I just want to talk about Ben Simmons. You know what? I understand he's having some mental issues. There's supposed to be some back problems. But you know what? He needs to stop holding his team hostage, his teammates hostage with this. Because if it's a real problem, he needs to step away from the sport and handle it. And one more thing. Mr. Canty, thank you so much for a championship banner. And go Big Blue. (laughs) My man. Appreciate it, Victor. But here's the thing. He's not wrong when he says that Ben Simmons is holding the Nets hostage because this team is not going to be able to realize their full potential until Ben Simmons joins them. They moved on from James Harden. Okay, we get it. James Harden didn't want to be here, but they thought they were getting a player in Ben Simmons that could contribute. So far, the only contributions that they got out of that trade were from Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, which are role players. Yep. It's not necessarily the caliber of James Harden. There is no big three in Brooklyn without Ben Simmons. So if he doesn't get back sooner rather than later, then that's, in in a matter of speaking, what he's doing. He's holding KD and Kyrie somewhat hostage. And the other part is this. Nobody will deny what Simmons can do. He is just an, an incredible talent, Chris. And there's no doubt that if you put Simmons... With those two guys, and they're all on the floor at the same time for 60 games, the Nets are going to be a dominant team. But it can't be a constant question mark with him. It can't be. Who's going to show up night to night? Well, Kevin Durant, he's been busy since the season ended. More on him and the Nets in a moment. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. <laughs> 